Welcome to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast, where we share illuminating stories and knowledge to inform, educate, inspire and empower you in the areas of business, health, finance, philanthropy, art, and entrepreneurship, designed to help you achieve your goals. And now here is your host, Desiree Stanley. Welcome everyone to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Stanley. And with me today is my esteemed guest, Dr. Laura Cinco. Welcome to the show. I'm so honored that you're on with us today. Thank you for for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So Dr. Laura Cinco is the, let's see if I get this right, the Director of Research and Evaluation at Our Wave. And I'm going to have you go ahead and just jump in and tell us what Our Wave is and kind of how it developed, how it grew, the mission and the vision of Our Wave. Yeah, thank you so much. So Our Wave is truly a labor of love. It was founded by my two friends, Kyle and Brendan. They had someone in their life experience sexual violence, and they really wanted to figure out how can we better support survivors seeking help after these experiences. So really, really early on in their development, I met them at a conference. I am a mental health nurse and a sexual assault nurse examiner by clinical training. I also have a PhD and I focus on healing and recovery after sexual violence as my research. So when I heard what they were doing and building this platform to support survivors of sexual harm, I was all in and really excited to work with them. That was about five years ago now. So we've grown, but our platform is an online space for survivors of sexual violence and harassment uh, to share their stories. And most importantly, think about what healing looks like for them and connect with other survivors who've experienced these things. We've also grown and expanded to ask to answer survivors frequently asked questions. Uh, We also provide educational consultation for different organizations, online exhibits featuring survivor artwork. And really the goal of our wave is to improve the technological tools that survivors have available to support their healing journey online. That's wonderful. And when I did learn about Our Wave, I was immediately drawn to what an amazing organization and the work that you're doing to help the survivors of, as you said, sexual harm. And I said, I've got to have someone come on. And so I'm so glad you did. And and thank you for, for sharing kind of the history and how it started. And so I want to ask you a few more questions, obviously, because this is such an important topic and what you guys are doing is so great. And so tell us a little bit, because I know you do research on how storytelling can really help in the healing process. And so can you share with us more about what that means and what that looks like? Yeah. So this Sharing your story after these experiences can be very different depending on the individual. And what we know through research is the first people you share your story to, their reaction and their support can really determine the trajectory of your healing. If you get blaming responses or people who don't believe you, it can really make it challenging to begin healing. Whereas if you have a supportive environment where people listen and validate you, you can have a much better experience. So the process of being heard can be very important for healing, but also the process of telling your story, really authoring it can help you make sense of really what happened to me and putting into words these things that can be really difficult to describe. So survivors have shared that 
by sharing their story on their own terms when they're ready, it really can help them take stock about what their healing needs might be. And it also helps them get connected to the supports and the different organizations that may be able to help them along their journey. So really with our wave, we wanted to provide an anonymous space where survivors could share their story, especially with the Me Too movement and all of these wonderful activism momentum that we've had on social media. Not everybody has the privilege or the willingness to link their personal identity to their story for a variety of reasons, safety concerns, not wanting everyone to know this about them. So we wanted to still provide people that opportunity to connect, to share, to have their experience be heard, but also in an anonymous way to protect their identity and just help them practice what it might be like to share their story for when they're ready to tell someone in their own life. Yeah, that's great that you just uh, pointed out that it is anonymous. And so you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people who, as you said, just aren't willing to share that information with the people closest to them or in general, having that option that it is anonymous. You can speak a little bit more freely without concern of any kind of repercussion that might come from from that coming out. Thank you for for pointing that out and sharing that. And so you also did mention some of the different things that we've seen recently, like the Me Too movement and all of that. So that kind of brings me to some common myths that are associated with, you know, the sexual harm survivors and kind of the blaming, victim blaming and that kind of thing. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and how Our Wave is helping the survivors with some of that and also getting knowledge out to the public in general? Yeah, I mean, I think that's so critical. We often have this idea that certain people experience sexual harm. Maybe they we consider them risk takers. We might say, oh, they may have had a challenging childhood that quote unquote puts them in these situations that may be there to blame for some reason. Um, and we get these messages from a very young age. Research shows that like even just hearing these messages from our parents that especially as women, it's our jobs to keep ourselves safe. Well, if something happens to us, we often feel like we failed in some way. And so that's something that is really powerful and sticks with people. And then I also think this idea of a certain type of survivor being a certain type of way, our way of really wants to break down that stereotype. And that's why by having this anonymous place, it creates space for more narratives than just the typical one that we often see in the movies. The typical scenario of it's a stranger who pulls you in an alley. And while that is a terrible thing to experience, it's often so much more nuanced and complex compared to that. So really what we're trying to do is by creating an anonymous space, we hope to really reveal all the different types of narratives to recognize that the person who experienced sexual harm could be your friend, it could be your parent, it could be your barista. Survivors are really everywhere. And the more we recognize that, the more we can be trauma-informed and just kind to others when we interact with them. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. We we do often have like this sort of stereotypical thought about who the person might be. And we are, we're really way off, right? Because it's unfortunate that it's everyone. It has affected, you know, everyone and probably people that you don't realize it has happened too. And so it's unfortunate, but it's true. And the point that you made also about the, uh, going back to the the victim blaming and people not believing your story, I want to talk a little bit more about that. And so what you guys have found 
has helped those people who have been in that situation? If you could share with us maybe some tools or things that you have used to help those people. Yeah. You share your story and someone doesn't believe you or they blame you. It can really start this cycle, this internal cycle of shame, self-blame, guilt, maybe even fear. And that can often cause people to withdraw from society, from their loved ones, their supports. And so one of the goals of our wave is to start to really bring those people back in by connecting them with a community of survivors who really can help them recognize, unfortunately, these experiences of not being believed are quite common. While they're not right, they are common. And so being able to recognize with an army of people behind you that that's not right. Just because someone blamed you doesn't mean that they were correct in that. Uh, And really just trying to show and answer people's questions too. We have a space, an anonymous space where people can submit questions to us. We provide evidence-based answers. And so we so frequently get questions like, how do I know if I'm to blame for my experiences? Or how do I know if what I experience is quote unquote bad enough to seek help for or to report? And so a lot of that is just kind of being able to post those questions in an anonymous way and have someone answer you can really be helpful to start to break down some of those internal dialogues of it's my fault. If you can hear from someone who's an expert that says, actually, this feeling self-blame or shame is quite common. Here's the statistics. And also, this is why you shouldn't feel this way. This is what society is doing to you. This is how all these different things interact that really can cause you to feel paralyzed. And it's not your fault that you feel this way. It absolutely makes sense. Our bodies and our minds are trying to protect us from all this different stimuli that might be telling us that something is going on within ourselves. Mm, Yeah. And I think that's excellent that you guys offer that you know, place for people to ask those questions anonymously. And what you brought up about, is this thing that happened to me big enough to report? Because I think that there's times when you go like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal, or it really wasn't that awful or whatever the case may be. Like the situation, I think that just happened in Italy where somebody, you know, groped a person and it was only 10 seconds. And so that was just nothing, right? So they got off and it was like, wait a minute here, but does that really even make a difference? The time, that shouldn't make the difference, right? Absolutely. Violence is just so normalized in our society and that's often kind of expected and people will chalk it up to, oh, it was just maybe quote unquote bad sex or he's just a, a, a trash person, you know, especially you hear it a lot, especially in university context, right? Oh, well, He's just, that was a bad hookup. And then oftentimes those things don't get recognized. And then a couple of years down the line, you're realizing you're not functioning in the way you used to. And then these things come up. And so one of the other things we often hear is, well, how come it takes so long for people to come forward? Sometimes it's fear, but other times it's that we get messages that these things that happen to us, if it wasn't a certain type of way, maybe doesn't count. And so that's also one of the goals of our wave is to really educate the spectrum of, of sexual harm and recognizing trauma is not about just the event you experience. It's how you experience it and how it affects you afterwards. So there's many layers to this that the same event could happen to two people and they could be impacted incredibly differently. Well, that's good information. And what you're doing, again, I just think is fantastic. The information that you're providing to people that can really help them process this. And so I want to talk a little bit more about the storytelling 
and how uh, you guys have found that that has really been beneficial for the survivors. Yeah. So it's interesting because when I met Kyle and Brendan, I recognized I do research in sexual violence and on healing. And I was getting a little bit of pushback when I first started that. Who's going to want to tell you about this? This is so sensitive. And I really was surprised at the amount of people who would engage in my research studies, my interviews, because it's an anonymous space where they can tell their story and walk away and no one's telling them what to do, how to act, and they can give back and have others learn from their experiences. So with our wave, um, there's a very intentional aspect of it where we tell survivors with their permission and they can opt in or opt out that we can use their story not only to support them in their process and help them find others like them, but we can actually use this as a data point to try to understand larger patterns, larger trends, to ultimately help other survivors and advocate for different supports for prevention. And so I think there's a lot of elements to storytelling that can be helpful to survivors. But the one that really surprised me in the beginning was just how willing people are to give back so that this doesn't happen to other people. And also to find others like us, you know, when we're survivors, we often feel so alone, like we're the only one that experienced this. When we know that one in four women, one in 16 men and one in two non-binary people experience this. So being able to bring people together in that story sharing process, I think is also really beneficial because then you recognize that you shouldn't feel ashamed, even though your body maybe is telling you so, because there are so many others that experience these things and you're not alone. And thank you for pointing out also that this is happening, you know, un again, unfortunately, across the board, we're not just talking about women, we're talking about men, we're talking about non-binary individuals as well. And so this is happening and that anyone and everyone can get support. And like you said, share their story to maybe help others to not feel so alone in in what has happened and so that's i think fantastic again i just can't say enough of what a wonderful thing that you are doing with the organization and, and helping people I, I think it's just fantastic so let's talk a little bit about how society kind of makes it difficult for survivors to heal from these experiences because that really happens. It really happens. And it, it's such a good question because, you know, people don't heal in a vacuum. So what's really challenging is oftentimes you experience something and then you're trying to heal in the same environment. And so all of these things that maybe caused you harm or contributed to additional harm are still around you. And so that can make it really, really difficult when we're trying to understand healing and trying to heal on our own. And so a lot of my research is looks at that social context and what are these contributing factors? And we know like your upbringing, the messages that you hear, they get internalized. And so we often, and they're often well-intentioned, right? I think our initial prevention strategies, particularly geared towards women was go, you know, walk home in groups, um, make sure that you FaceTime your date before you meet them, meet them in a public place. Like there's all these things that put the onus on women to protect ourselves. And there's been less emphasis on how can men, particularly men, because we know men do perpetrate most of these harms, although they also experience these harms, thinking about consent and combating toxic masculinity and all of these things that maybe would make survivors not feel as guilty when they experience these things because they maybe wouldn't think it was their responsibility to be, 
you know, combating all of this their whole life. But I also think the way our policies are, the messaging we get from the media and how news stories are covered about these things, the social media discourse around these things. Um, I don't think people often recognize that the survivors in their life are watching. And so I've heard from so many survivors whose friends didn't recognize that they were a survivor talking about different court cases and things, hot topics in the media with kind of a non-sensitive tone. And then they really recognize who is safe to them and who's not. And so there's so much about like our society and our policies and our larger culture. But there's also something about that interpersonal messaging that I think we do very much have control over. And so people, just like you could harm someone, you can also really help them heal. So there really is a power in that, that just by trying to understand this issue, trying to be trauma-informed and trying to be an open space for people to come to if they need help, that can make all the difference in someone's healing. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned talking about the policies and I believe that your organization, Our Wave, really works also to help in that, that uh, manner and in, in developing policies to help survivors. And so can you share some more of that with us? Yeah, and there's so much policy work that needs to be done, but I think that that is something that we're really excited about. Can we, with the help of survivors who are generously sharing their stories, can we try to find patterns, try to figure out survivor preferences, try to really understand through the voices of people who've experienced these things, how can we improve policy? And what policies are outdated or maybe are not aligned with survivors' wishes? Like, for example, I used to live in Michigan and there is this Michigan gun and knife law, which essentially is if somebody shows up to the emergency department with a violent injury, the police have to be called. It's the way it works. They can send them away, but the police have to be on site. Well, that makes sense, right? But initially, we didn't want these violent crimes to be brushed under the rug. We wanted some sort of a justice. But as we've sort of moved forward, we recognize that justice for survivors looks different depending on who they are, their experience. And so it might not be the best for their healing to have the first person they talk to be a police officer, particularly if they're a person of color or just have negative experiences with police, just as an example. Another example is Title IX and how a lot of these new policies in the college space have really shifted to move towards like live almost hearings in the Title IX process with cross-examination. And having to look your, the person who harmed you in the face and have them tell you what happened to you wasn't legitimate can really set you back in your healing. So again, these are policies that were created with the initial purpose to protect survivors. But now that we're learning more and the research is showing that these really aren't resonating, how can we work to change those and realign them with survivors' needs and desires? So that's like a future goal of our way. We sort of know which policies we want to work on, um, but it's really just building all that research and evidence to be able to advocate on survivors' behalf. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you for sharing those, Dr. Laura. I appreciate that. And then I did want to ask you, in terms of the research that you're doing, how long have you been working on uh, this particular area? I know you mentioned, you know, initially the study and the research and stuff that you're doing, but how long have you been working on this? It's been about seven years now. Okay. Yeah. And so do you find that you initially started in a different direction or how did this kind of come to be? Was it after you met the two co-founders of the organization or what, what kind of uh, drove you in this direction? 
So I was a mental health nurse and I recognized that we just really weren't treating folks who've experienced trauma with like the holistic care that I really felt like they deserved. We often thought, okay, their depression's going down, so they're healed. And it's like, wait, there's so much more to healing than depression, even though that is really important. There's so much more, right? There's finding purpose, there's rebuilding intimacy, there's reconnecting with yourself and who am I after this, right? So I wanted to understand more in research, how can we support survivor healing in a holistic way? So I got my PhD with that intention, got graduated with my PhD, and then I moved to Philadelphia and then met Kyle and Brendan at a conference. So I had just started the, actually the campus sexual violence space is where I initially started. And then I realized as much as I really loved working in that space, and I still do, there are so many other survivors that get less attention. You know, people who are college age, but aren't in college. We're in the service industry or doing other things, right? So now my research has really moved more towards folks who are experiencing intersectional oppression and marginalization because so little research has focused on different groups. And uh, therefore, our services really only align with a certain type of survivor. So unfortunately, survivors that often just look like me, a white cisgender woman, right? And while that's really important and we could still do more improvement in that space, often other survivors have gotten left behind. So that's where my research has moved to. But there is just, unfortunately, I don't think I'll ever be out of a job because there is so much more to learn about healing because we so often focus on deficit. And there, that's a real disservice to the, the growth and the hope that healing is truly possible if we can align supports to really uh, guide survivors on that journey. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thank you for, for sharing and detailing that in a little bit more. So Dr. Laura, tell us, how our wave and the platform, and we'll talk about the website and you can share the details of that later, but how is that helping to facilitate the healing process for survivors? And we've talked about the storytelling and we've talked about the questions that can be sub submitted anonymously. What else is the um, organization doing to help survivors? I think what makes our organization unique is we're a story sharing platform with an emphasis on healing. So when survivors submit their story, they share their story. We then have them, if they want, it's optional, explain what healing means to them. And oftentimes, at least I've recognized in my work, people aren't often asked that question. So we have them reflect, given your story, what does healing look like for you? And then at the end, we have them share a message of hope with another survivor. And this is, again, optional. So how that helps in healing is you're processing your experience through your story. You're now reflecting on, okay, what might healing look like for me? And then you're able to give back and extend and say, you know, what advice would I give another survivor? What message of hope? Anything to somebody else. So that I think is really helpful in opening that container, but then also closing it so that people can leave the site not feeling so raw. They're leaving thinking about healing. We also have this space where um, it's a kind of like a social media platform where you could like other stories, you can say, this has given me hope, but we don't have individual likes or comments like typical social media. We have a global impact score on the top. So every time you like a story or interact with it, it goes to our global metrics. And this is how the site in general and all of your stories are impacting each other. So you can read other people's stories and recognize, oh, what happened to me actually isn't so uncommon. Like there are other people like me out there. You can filter by different tags, like the person who harmed you, if was it a parent or a friend or an uh, intimate partner or like by your race or by your gender. So you can find 
if you are a Black gender nonconforming survivor, you can hit those filters and see other folks with shared identities and recognize some of the challenges that you face maybe also are being faced by other people. We have those answering questions. We also have survivor art exhibits where we share about healing, what that looks like. Survivors can interact with those and learn more. And ultimately, we're working towards applying for funding, and this is the dream, to build an online healing curriculum. Because we know so many survivors aren't going to in-person services like they used to. So we really believe that survivors deserve technological tools that are as advanced as their social platforms, their work platforms, to explore their own healing. So we want to make it beautiful. We want to make it user-friendly, not a laundry list of resources, you know, pages and pages. And then we're hoping, because Brendan and Kyle are really in the tech space, we want to try to make the technology smarter so that as you're engaging with this healing curriculum, we can learn about your preferences and then give you resources that may be more supportive for you than others. Instead of saying, here's the list of 50, well, given what you shared, here's three that we think might be most important. And if you, these don't work, then here's a list of 50 that you can look at. So we're just trying to really raise the bar for what survivors can have and what they deserve in terms of these technological supports. That's excellent. Thank you for, for sharing that in more detail. And I think that you're absolutely right. Sometimes it's really overwhelming too when you see this huge list of, you know, like you said, 50 resources. I mean, it's fantastic that you've got that many options, but it's like, where do I start? I don't even know where to start on this list. And so as you described, you know, filtering it a little bit to maybe what meets your needs a little bit more is super helpful, I think, for people to be like, all right, I can deal with three. I can get the help I need starting here. Absolutely. And so often it's just getting your foot in the door and recognizing that people receive you kindly. And then it's like that can kickstart the whole journey because we know healing is actually such an active process. Even though it's not fair and you don't deserve it, you, it still is work that you have to put in when you're ready. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier about how healing and recovery is absolutely multi-layered because we are multi-layered individuals and our brains are tremendous and, you know, function in, in such a way we don't even fully understand, right? And so, of course, the healing process is going to be a little bit more complicated than just, you know, check these boxes and you're good. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about how people who are listening can learn more about Our Wave and, you know, check out the site and, and support Our Wave and what you're doing. Yeah, so our website is ourwave.org. If you go to that website, that's basically our central hub where you could share your story, read the stories of others, ask questions, look at our exhibits, uh, share artwork if you have artwork or other forms of self-expression that describe what healing means to you. All of that can be found on that website. But we're also on socials. Our most active is Instagram. We're at Our Wave Stories. So we always post different social media content. We do often FAQ Fridays where we'll share different FAQs and things people are asking. We also have quite an active blog. And so when we post a blog, we'll post it on there. And then you can find us at Our Wave on all the other socials as well. But I will say Instagram is our most active. So if that is a platform that works for you, that is a great way to connect with us. And we're also always looking for volunteers 
people who want to learn more about the space. We're really collaborative and we love hearing what other folks are doing and, and seeing how our missions can align and we can work together to really end sexual violence because that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Thank you for sharing those with us. And, and I love that you said you're also working with other organizations to see, you know, how can you collaborate and work together to help more people really, because that's the ultimate goal is ending it, right? <laughs> and then healing. And so that's fantastic. I have so appreciated your time, Dr. Laura. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this information with us. And I know we have just barely touched the surface of this conversation, but I think that our wave and what you're doing there is just such a great thing. And I encourage the listeners to Go check it out and see, you know, there's something there that they can maybe even share with somebody who's close to them that could use the information. I think that would be great. And to also support what you're doing there. And I, I believe, if I remember correctly, there is an option for a journal that you can order through the site. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We are a team of full volunteers. So none of us get paid. It's truly a labor of love. And so we do have an online store where we have bracelets, we have t-shirts. We also just launched a new journal, as you mentioned, Desiree, that can help you explore those moments of healing in your life when you're not on a screen. Because there is something about shutting your computer or shutting your phone and just being present. And so we wanted to create a journal that can help you explore your healing on your own time. So we do also have that in our site. And 100% of the profits go to our organization to basically fund the technology that we use and then also help with future partnerships. So thank you for mentioning that. Yes, if anyone's interested in that, please feel free to go to our shop. It is on the R-Wave website. Yeah, excellent, for sure. I, I mean, I really do encourage the listeners to check it out because there is, as you've told us, so many great resources helpful information there. And, you know, if the listeners feel so moved to support what you're doing, I, I encourage it as well. And I have myself because I think, again, what you're doing is so important and thank you for doing the work that you're, that you're doing. So thank you again for taking the time to be on the show with us today. I do appreciate it, Dr. Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. Awesome. We'll just talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. Be sure to join us again next week for more great information designed to educate, inspire, and empower you to achieve your goals. And thanks again for listening. Thank you all for being here. I'm thrilled to have you join me for my new podcast. If you found this episode enjoyable, I'd love for you to show your support by following, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback will not only help me improve, but it will also help others discover the content. Happy listening.